Welcome back, everybody. It's Monday. Y'all know what that means? It's the start of a brand new week, which means we are breaking down pre... No, excuse me. We are reviewing, <laughs> recapping another card. Yes. Um, the start of another week. How are we feeling? We're, we're just continuing the grind. Uh, we're going over UFC Vegas 14 in another week. Leading into UFC 255. No, we've already got another pay-per-view coming up, and that's exciting stuff. It, it is a whirlwind. I feel like it never ends. Yes, this is true. <laughs> and that's the best in the best possible way I say that. I it, swear, literally two weeks ago, we were talking about Habib and Gaethje, and now we're talking about, or very close to talking about Figueredo, Alex Perez, and Valentina, and Jennifer Maya. It's uh and uh, crazy. we we will take no slander on this card. We will not oh, be hearing it. A hundred percent. If you if you want to slander this card, then get out. <laughs> come back. Stop to the, the next video one. and leave. Leave. Come back when you have a, an attitude change. <laughs> because this card is very underrated. Yes. I, it shouldn't be underrated. It's just a great card. We will not stand for it. Oh, we won't. So much so but, that we are going to be breaking down a prelim fight come Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah. They're not just, ready. They're not ready. Just to piss off the fucking haters. <laughs> We're doing six fights. But that's not coming until Friday. Let's not get so. ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's I not just get had to ourselves. say my excitement there is all. Yeah. So we're going to be uh, reviewing slash recapping Saturday night's fights including but not limited to our main event that saw Rafael Dos Anjos beat Paul Felder in a very technical chess match of a main event, a great main event, I would say, uh, one where RDA looked incredible. And Paul Felder honestly looked great as well, mm -hmm. even though he came up short. He really did. But before we get into those, you know what time it is. It's time to start with the news everyone's favorite segment of the week oh you didn't you're not gonna say it too oh, oh, oh. the news <laughs> so not a ton but enough to enough to hold us over so yes. you know usually the friday episodes are the ones with the bigger news it's just a longer break in time yeah but for today we have one fight announcement uh, kind of a surprise to see this individual already being booked again. It reminded me so, a lot of Marlon Marais's quick turnaround. To yeah, this is true. Tiago Santos, who just two weeks ago was headlining against Glover Teixeira, a potential number one contender fight. He's already booked his next uh, fight. Apparently, it's, it's going to be happening in the first quarter of 2021, yeah, he's uh, going to be fighting uh, Alexander Rakich. March 6th. Oh, did they officially say March That's what March this uh, MMA Junkies photo has March 6th. I'm assuming a okay. fight night, but I don't know all the stuff yet. Gotcha. But it's Alexander Rakich, Dom. Yes. And Rakich was the guy that I said was kind of the odd man out in uh, these matchmaking scenarios, and I'm pretty sure you were saying... Uh, maybe give him the loser of Tiago and Glover, so he got him. Yeah, I felt like for 
um, when we were going over the result and recap episode for the Tiago and Glover fight, I was kind of, you know, sitting here trying to match make, of course, for Tiago, and I was thinking, well, maybe the loser of Reyes and Yuri Prochaka, uh, or the other option being Rakic. It looks like they went with Rakic, so it makes a lot of sense. It's two strikers. Um, we've got a power puncher that just goes wild, knocked down Glover in their fight two different times. Uh, and then for Rakic coming off that very dominant win over Anthony Smith, a powerful kicker, probably one of the most powerful kickers in the UFC right now. Um, so someone's going to be getting hurt in this fight. I don't doubt that one bit. Yeah, it's literally power punches versus power kicks. Yes, yes. So whose body's going to be able to withstand it? And uh, I'm very excited for it. I think it's a great potential headliner or co-main for fight night or if it's on pay-per-view, whichever. But I think it's a great fight. Um, I, you know, the, being the Tiago stand that I am, uh, it was very tough for me to watch him lose in the fashion he did against Clover Teixeira. But again, he had his moments, man. He He's... Uh, he definitely, in that fight, more than some of the others I've seen with him, he was depending on his power mm-hmm. a lot more than I had seen in the past. You know, if you go watch that made event he had with John Jones, uh, the, the fight where he was fighting on one leg, essentially, which I'm sure took a lot of the power out of his punches, but you saw a guy that was very technical. At least that's what I watched. Yeah. So to see him kind of throw that out the window almost and just be kind of all power, just kind of throw caution to the wind. Um, it looked like he was maybe kind of going in reverse. Like I thought he was evolving as a fighter, and it looked like he, in that fight he kind of took a step back. Mm-hmm. But he was obviously, I, I, on Twitter, he was very disappointed in his performance. He thanked everybody for their support and was just saying how disappointed he was and how he fought. So it's obvious he saw that he needed to work some things differently. Yeah. And, and um, he gets a big bounce back opportunity. He gets a, no slouch. So it'd be number two versus number four at light heavyweight. Rakic did look incredible against Anthony Smith. The dude's built like a Greek statue. He's a scary individual. Yeah. And those kicks are just nuts. Oh, they hurt me watching that fight against Anthony Smith. That well, yeah. you made a good point before we started recording. You said you're interested to see if Tiago can handle the leg kicks due to his yeah. the knee issues, and he had surgery yeah. on both knees. So can he hold up? Because these kicks are bad. Like yeah. for anyone that hasn't heard of or seen Alexander Rakic, go watch the Anthony Smith fight and let us know what you think of those kicks. Because I mean, he made Anthony Smith quit. Basically. Yeah, I mean, essentially that's what it was. It was dominant. From start to yeah, finish. what I will say is that I think this is a tough matchup for Tiago because, you know, when you have a surgically repaired knee like he's got, I mean, it was a bad injury. You know, the same the surgically repaired knee, it's always going to be somewhat tender, or it's going to take time for it to really build that strength back. So I have more faith in Rakic's ability to withstand Tiago's power punches than right now than I do for Tiago to withstand Rakic's power kicks. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. 
Um, you know what I like here? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Reyes and Yuri fight is in like late February. So this is like two weeks later. I think it plays out perfectly because of how crazy the title picture is right now for this division. Because Jan's got Izzy and Glover. So I think it makes a lot of sense to do essentially Reyes Yuri. Winner of that fight's the winner of Santos and Rakic. And then there's your new number one contender fight. And it just plays out good timing. So I think it's good that they book these quickly. Um, again, only two weeks uh, away from one another. So the timelines essentially line up for their next fight as well. Uh, and and you could even pair up the losers. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I really like the way that they're doing those two fights for this division. Agreed. I like that you can just kind of match it up like that if, if as long as everybody's on you can literally just do winner versus winner loser versus loser yeah none of those guys have ever fought each other i mean it's perfect and they're all great matchups no matter who loses and wins it, that's great matchmaking there by the ufc assuming that's kind of their route they want to take 100 as for the rest of the news we're going to start actually with uh bellator bellator 252 happened on Thursday night. Thursday night. And we'll start with someone a little bit lower on the card. The biggest prospect in that Bellator's ever gotten, and potentially the biggest prospect in mixed martial arts, Aaron Pico fought at Bellator 252. Picked up a huge win. Dom, I don't think you uh, saw it, but uh, he had a TKO finish over John DeJesus. And it was a a punch that literally didn't he like it. fold backwards? Yeah, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> so you did see it. Okay. The, the highlights. I didn't watch it he live. Yeah, Guilty. Yeah. Uh, he literally folded him like a lawn chair. It was insane. Uh this just again, Aaron Pico, for those of you that don't know, he is his background is uh he's very accredited as a freestyle wrestler. Uh he's a cadet world champion, two time junior world medalist. As a senior, he plays second at the U.S. Olympic Trials, um, holds a ton of national and international championships. So he's very accredited as a freestyle wrestler. However, since becoming professional mixed martial artist, he has definitely fallen in love with the, the knockout. And he has knockout power. He's got great stand-up. He is kind of like his boxing is very good. However, he's had some growing pains doing that style he's seven and three now and there for a while you know he got knocked out in back-to-back fights against henry corrales then adam borks that was back in 2019 um so he's had some growing pains you know when you're someone who loves the knockout and you're kind of i think his striking defense is what's needed the most work because i think he's fallen so much in love with just like standing and banging that he's kind of left his chin open too much but a huge win for him and he's continuing to prove that the the ceiling like his ceiling is there is none this dude's potential is through the roof it's a huge gap for bellator to have him Uh, they just have to build him up the right way and that's always a tough thing you would think it'd, it wouldn't be that tough to build up prospects, but you've seen in the UFC time and time again that guys can be brought up too quick or not fast enough. It's uh, it's a struggle sometimes 
kind of nailing it with these guys. Yeah, when you see potential in some of these prospects, it's a fine line you have to walk because you want to push them fast because you see the potential for marketing, for fans, uh, their talent. But if you push them too fast, they could have a fall from grace. You need to really match make perfectly, not to where you're handpicking easy fights because then they're not showing their full potential. But you also don't just want to give them, you know, a guy that's ranked top three and they get starched. So it's just a really fine line no matter what organization we're talking. Uh, we've talked about this before, though, and we love that Bellator is starting to get these prospects rather than getting, like, older veterans from other organizations. They're going out and starting their own talent pool. Uh, it shows here with Pico. Uh, they got Magomed Magomedov. The list is starting to build there in terms of young prospects, as well as the go-to names that Bellator already has had for years. So they're doing a good job now getting these prospects. And again, it's just finding finding that fine line for these guys and what route is best for their career. Completely agree. Another, uh, <laughs> there was another a bigger story to take away from Bellator 252, however, that was at our main event where we saw Patricio Pitbull. The champ champ. Def yeah, defend his Bellator featherweight title along with this being the quarterfinal of the uh, featherweight World Grand Prix. He knocks out Pedro Carvalho in about two minutes. A very impressive performance for him. He continues to just look. He might be the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter that Bellator has to offer. Mm-hmm. However, he is he, he continues to say some very interesting comments. For, for those of you that don't know, by the way, his like head coach slash manager slash hype man is the same gentleman that was the head coach of Henry Cejudo. Uh, so if that tells you anything, there you go. It, was it really? I did not yes, realize that. Yeah, yeah. The king of cringe, it all just kind of runs together here. So that, that'll just segue you into what you're about to say. Yeah, so um, I don't want to say he's quite trying to be cringe because <laughs> I think that's a bit of a hot take to say that Patricio's trying to be cringe. <clears throat> I think we're just taking it that way because basically what he's saying is is that he, he's making these claims that he's the number one featherweight in the world. Now, I understand that you know, what do you expect him to say, right? He's he's a fighter. He has the right to say it. He, he can say it if he wants to. Like, he doesn't really have anything to prove. I mean, sure, he, I, he's fighting at Bellator, which, look, like it or not, I don't care how big of a Bellator fan you are, from top to bottom, the UFC is a far more talented, has a far more talented roster than Bellator does. It's just facts. It's the number one MMA promotion in the world. However, like he can surely, so he can make that argument that he's the number one featherweight in the world, but it can't really be backed up because his level of competition is just not near as high as someone like Alexander Volkanovsky yeah. or Max Holloway or anybody, even like Korean Zombie Brian Ortega. You know, these guys have that have fought each other and fought others they have just a much higher level of competition than, you know, 
Patricio has. Right. But I think where this turns into being more cringy, it's not just him saying, I think I'm the best featherweight in the world and letting it be. He is going out of his way to be like, Dana, put me against Volkanovsky. Yeah. Or, you know, you see some of these other, you know, Josh Thompson works for Bellator and he's tweeting that Patricia is the number one featherweight in the world. Yeah, I mean. Cyborg is like trying to go to UFC and they're like booking some super fight, which I just want to be clear will never happen. I've explained that in the past. It'll never happen. But he's uh, he's really trying to push for like, like he really wants to prove he's number one. Well, yeah, and I mean, Scott Coker himself also said the same thing about Pitbull, and again, he should. That's his fighter. They want to build a name for this guy. Um, the coach, by the way, is Coach uh, Eric Albarison, Captain yeah. America. So I had yeah. to, that's that's where the cringe part comes more into play. Not necessarily Pitbull, but the Captain America. Great coach, though. I can't take that away from him. But he really uh, you know, they're just at the end of the day, it they're getting what they want, and it's his name is out there. People are talking about him. We're talking about him. Uh, the small podcast, the big podcast, you know, and that's the whole point here. Uh, he's getting his name out there. Alex Volkanovsky responded to these claims the champion at the featherweight division in the UFC. And that's what you want if you're Pitbull here. So, so far, it's working. And he won. He's still the champ champ. Uh, so he's doing everything right, in my opinion. So it's yeah, very I mean, interesting. If, 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 that's his, if that's what really the point of this is, is to kind of get his name out there and stuff, then job well done. Because uh, we could be honest enough to say that, do you remember the first time we talked about him on our podcast. We, the were, we, brothers. Weren't sure, we weren't sure how to say his first name. Um, yeah, it was, uh, we've came a long way since then, but also <laughs> he's became a much bigger star. It seems like since then, like uh, continuing to dominate the way he has, but it's like every time he wins, he's like UFC. I'm number one. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what's uh, – it's, like, intriguing, even though we know it'll never happen. Because, again, I'm going to say this, even though I, I feel like – I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on Volkanovsky, but he is the least proven of our title holders, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he definitely I – know he, I know he beat Max Holloway twice, technically. Max Holloway is – one of the top 10 fighters of all time. But that second fight, I thought was very clearly a win for Max Holloway. Yeah, I agree. And no other champion right now has that kind of baggage on their title run. Some haven't defended, but there's no controversial wins on any of these other title holders resumes and for that to be you know alexander's first defense when they you know they've always said you know you're not a champion until you defend your belt and if his first defense is so controversial then it's like um okay did you really even defend it did you did you, i mean we think you lost that fight so so i think that's what what <clears throat> makes this intriguing if max holloway was still holding the belt i know this is weird to paint this kind of picture because volkanovsky beat max holloway 
twice technically now. But if Max Holloway hadn't be, been beat and was still holding the belt, there's no way people would even believe no. for a second no. that Patricio Pitbull could have a chance. It wouldn't be in question. Whether he could or not isn't the, the question. It's just people wouldn't believe it for a second. No. But with Volkanovsky, he is unproven enough yeah. to where you can at least entertain the idea. That's a that good way to that's a good way to paint the picture and I think. I think that makes sense. It's it's tough because yes, Volkanovsky has beat Max Holloway twice. But it's just it's not that simple. Max Holloway had a sustained run. He was literally he was top three or four pound for pound in the UFC. Yeah, at he was his on height. a fourteen fight win streak. Beat Jose Aldo twice. The list goes on and on for Holloway. And then he has back to back very close decisions with Volkanovski. The second one, I thought he won, as did everybody. Don't want to harp on that, but I'm just saying that there's enough. Doubt there, you could put enough doubt in a fan's mind that maybe Patricio could beat Volkanovski. It's a, it definitely adds to the intrigue. It'll just never happen unless Patricio wants to come over to the UFC. But he make he's made it clear that he's making a lot of money over at Bellator, and he's happy to continue staying over there. And I think that's what he should do if that's what he wants. Yeah, but eventually it's like. What's the end game here? That's my question. Like, are we, are you really trying to get this fight? Because I can tell you that's not going to happen in the current landscape. Yeah. So is is that really your goal, or is your goal just to get your name out there and people to think that you're one of the best at featherweight? Like, what's the, what's the goal here? That's my question. Like, where do we go from here? Is this just going to continue to be a thing? Where every time Patricio fights, he makes this claim that he's the best featherweight in the world. And that's not even including, he used to say the same thing. I mean, when he fights at lightweight again, is he going to continue to try to call out Habib? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a it's, good point. It's, it's um, I don't know. I just don't understand. That's my only question is kind of what's the, the end game here? Yeah. Where, where does this go? Yeah. There's got to be some sort of payoff if you really want to like I guess earn anything out of this sure it makes him more popular right now or you know we're talking about him that's a win but it's going to make if if there's no payoff if there's no end game here that it's going to make turn him just as irrelevant as he was before this started yeah that's just how I look at it yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it as a name value thing for now because I think he probably knows that this fight wouldn't happen, so why not talk my trash and get my name out there? Um, but you never know what could happen in the future. I mean, we're seeing a guy like Michael Chandler who we never thought would be in the UFC come over. So maybe this one day. True. Maybe one day. This is true. Uh, that would be that that would make a lot of sense if at some point Patricio signs to come over. But, and that segues um, us, Noah. That does segue us pretty nicely to we are talking about Mr. Bellator, I think is the way you could can describe him. Uh, Michael Chandler. Now, Michael Chandler was originally scheduled to be the alternate for the Habib versus Gaethje title fight at UFC 254. 
Tony Ferguson was originally scheduled to be on UFC 254 against Dustin Poirier. Neither of those fights happened. Dustin Poirier is now looking like he's going to fight Conor McGregor in January. Tony Ferguson has been kind of left without without an opponent. Well, the matchup that we both said should happen on last Wednesday's episode, who's next part two, go check that out. We said Tony should fight Michael Chandler. Yes. Michael Chandler's been saying that that should be the fight. Well, Tony, on his Twitter account, posted like essentially a hype video. What a great Twitter account, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it. <laughs> He is an absolute madman, and I love it. But he posts this. You need, like, a translator to, <laughs> to read his tweet. It is ridiculous. <clears throat> Everything's capitalized. Everything. I remember, I just, this is a side note, but I remember one time, there's been times where, like, people have tried to, like, say shit to him on Twitter. Like, you know, the blue check marks coming out and saying, like, Oh, you should stop stop trying to capitalize everything. Like, you know, I can't even understand what you're saying. And he'll just respond with like fuck you and then he puts like the sword emoji. Yeah. <laughs> like Hashtag CSO hilarious. champ shit only. Yeah. So he posted a hype video and he's calling for this matchup to happen as a main event of UFC two fifty six potentially. Now Dom, I do wanna pitch a, an idea here to you what's that so i again I, I don't think this will happen nor do i think you would be very on board with it as of now habib is retired this is true. i know they can they could sit here and say whatever they want rather well, not go strip him but the ufc has shown that they will do interim belts if if they feel it's granted or if they feel like it's needed on a pay-per-view you know you go back and look at ufc 236 that was headlined by dustin poirier max holloway co-mained by kelvin gaslam israel adesanya both of those were interim title fights but both of them if they if either of those had been three rounds it would have taken away from the 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 fight especially two back-to-back wars Especially Gastelum and Adesanya being fight of the year. Yeah, Imagine those, if that was only three rounds. Those two fights back-to-back made that one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Just because of that those pay, two fights. That pay-per-view sold me on the idea of interim belts. So now you have a main event technically slot open. And I know that Jan versus Aljo can definitely be a main event. But what if you did Tony versus Chandler for the interim lightweight belt and you make that the main event of 256, make it five rounds, let these guys go to war for 25 minutes instead of 15. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, I, I can tell by your face that you don't like the idea. I know listen, you don't. I'm not saying don't. it's a bad idea. <clears throat> I, I, It's just hard, like... Tony's coming off a loss. Granted, it was against Justin Gaethje, who became the interim champion. Then he just lost to Habib. Chandler's never fought in the UFC, but technically was serving as a backup for a title fight. Um, I just I don't know if they would. I don't hate the idea, but it's not my favorite idea. Um, 
I personally just want all these guys to kind of play it out like a non-official tournament. Um, so essentially, you know, Chandler versus Tony, Dustin versus um, Connor, winner fights the winner. Maybe that could be for the interim title. Uh, I think that's more of a possibility. But I see where you're coming from because we're looking for a main event, and uh, they're not going to do a non-title fight between Tony and Chandler uh, as a main event over top of a title fight in uh, Pewter Jan and Aljamain Sterling. I personally am fine for them co-maining. I know it would suck to see it only be three rounds. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't hate your idea. I just would rather see everything play out more like a non-official tournament, especially now with like all the stuff about Habib and how Dana thinks he's not retired, so they're not going to strip him. So there's not going to be any interim belts. Like, I don't know what's going on. All I know is these two need to fight, whether it's in the UFC octagon or in a back alley. I, I can <laughs> tell you that much. Yeah, I I get where you're, I get your point, and I I wouldn't say that it's the most ideal situation for introducing an interim belt. I see where you're Toby, coming from, though, to get a main event, though. That part, it's, I it's, mean, I I'm yeah. thinking of it as you get a legitimate main event and i i think jan versus aljo is a legitimate main event right but since tony and chandler are or at least tony has said like put me on this card i think that it would make a lot of sense for the ufc to basically make the interim belt just so this fight can headline and also be five rounds yeah yeah and i get that that's maybe not good enough for a lot of people but for me, it is. After UFC 236, I will forever, I will, if I think a fight should be five rounds and it at least somewhat makes sense for an interim belt to be introduced, then I'm going to introduce it. Right. Abib has technically said he's retired. Whether he is or not, we'll have to see. But due to that, it could it makes sense to have an interim champion right now as the UFC tries to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So either you don't have to do like even though Connor versus Dustin in the current matchups, Dustin and Connor would make the most sense to do because at least they're both coming off of wins. I know Connor's was at welterweight, but that one makes more sense to have a belt in place. But you don't need a belt when you have Connor McGregor as a headliner. Yeah, so that's why you do it for two fifty six to Tony versus. Chandler make it five rounds because if you do a co-main it's three rounds I would be like oh man like that's tough I mean who knows if it needs five rounds but it's um, I, I, I love the idea of it being a five round main event and the only way you can do that is if you put a title on the line right so I don't think it should be for the undisputed belt mm-hmm. maybe you do make it for the interim belt and if Tony wins and Habib doesn't retire there it is there it is. For the 18th time. For the 18th time. <laughs> so I don't know. That's just This is me just kind of spitballing here. I, I could, I'm not going to be mad if they don't do it. Do you think this fight has a good chance of being added to 256? Maybe that's the better question. Um, I would lean more toward yes right now than no. That's the way I feel. Um, just because they've already been in talks, it seems like. And Chandler, I don't feel like, would turn this down the way he's been talking about it. And he's, in all these interviews, 
Uh, he's like, you know, there's no better fight to introduce Michael Chandler to UFC fans than Tony Ferguson. He said that over and over and over again. Uh, his name value is already going up. He's a very respectful guy, and he's been promoted that way, and I think people are like that, but he's still very confident in himself. He's a very interesting guy. I like the way he carries himself. And for Tony, everybody loves Tony, so uh, it would definitely add value to that pay-per-view regardless of if they made it co-main or an interim title or a five-round main event just for shits and giggles. Like, who knows what they'll do. But uh, either way you go about it, I think it adds value. And we're, we're a little under a month away is where the only concern is. But as of right now, if you're asking me, I, I'm leaning more toward yes, it can happen on December 12th. <sighs> it's coming up so quick. Yeah. That's the problem. Is that it's it's less than a month away at this point. I I love the idea of it being added to the card. Even if it is a three-round co-main, like, I ain't going to complain about it. I will say, I still love the idea of a super lightweight card where we have Connor Dustin main event, Tony Chandler as a co-main. That so I like the, a lot. That, a lot. I, so. I agree. I agree so much that I, I almost think that's the more likely scenario here. Yeah, yeah. If you made me choose right now, I would say that it's a little bit too soon to get this fight on 256. But I think it's quite – I think it's – a definitely enough time to get it on 257 oh yeah for you sure. make it to co-main uh for the main event being connor and dustin i think that that would sell oh Buku yeah you can just give me a two fight main card and i'll still pay for it if that's the, <laughs> yeah. if that's the card yeah that's yeah. i think that's the best thing they can do however if they want to up the buy rate for 256 the end of the year card that they always like to go big on throw it on if you can I don't know. We'll see. I think we'll get something official very, very soon, regardless of if it's December or January. I will say that. That's a good point. It's going to have to be soon, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you don't see too many fights announced unless it's like late replacements. Yep. Less than a month out. So I think uh, you're going to be having to get an announcement here soon. Yep. It's very exciting, though. Oh, 100%. That fight has to happen. That's the fight yeah. they should make. It makes the most sense for both guys. But until we get official word, that is the end of the news. The news. So now it's time to recap, review, hashtag UFC Vegas of 14. Yes. That was on November 14th. Yes. That is Dominic's favorite number. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's the number you wore in football and basketball. Yes. Am I right? Yes, this yeah, is true. See, see I know you, Dom. I know <laughs> you, you better. I know you better than I know myself. <laughs> what a great co-host. <laughs> now, this card, Dom, I, I want to get your overall thoughts here first at the top. Um, I thought it was a pretty good fight night if you're talking about main card yeah i enjoyed uh, it the prelims were a little uh a little less so um all decisions on the prelims and i'm not you know sometimes decisions can be the best fight on a whole card as it was in my opinion on this one but uh they just not a ton of great fights on the prelims but i thought the main card day definitely stepped their game up a little bit 
Um, I would say probably like four of the five fights were good. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, they're at least fun to watch. I agree. Um, but we'll start. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we should start something new on this beautiful Monday. Okay. Um, we've we've probably done this a couple times already, but not like officially every time that we recap a card. But what if we started out before we go into each fight breakdown and just give it an overall score out of 10? Score out of 10? Yeah, just, you know, each time we do our recap episode, what do you think? Okay. All right. There you so, go, folks. That's how we do negotiations here for the podcast. It's just I'm like all, that. I'm all about it. You know how my I have my spreadsheet. Oh, I, I know. I know. I do that anyways, so um, this is quite easy for me. Yeah, I mean, real quick, we had a five-fight card. It was originally supposed to be six. Eighteen fights got canceled and rearranged, so it was really confusing. Um, all really good. What were there? Two finishes, three decisions. Uh, I think out of ten, I'm going to give this card... Mm, I'm going to go six and a half, Noah. I'm going to go and six a and a half. I think anything below a six is when you're getting into, like, not good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Five at the worst, because it's literally, like, the halfway point, essentially. Yeah, so if I take a look at this card, um, main event was very good. Yeah, it was. It was very technical, but it was very clear that RDA was winning the fight pretty much the whole way through. Um, he did get a very impressive knockout to Komain as Chaos Williams. That 30-second knockout over Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Um, the Yoder-Granger fight was a bit of a dud. Sean Strickland getting his second win in two weeks, something that we just missed in our preview. But he gets a big TKO win over Brendan Allen, a very impressive yes. TKO he win. He looked really good. And then Corey McKenna and Kay Hansen had a pretty good fight as well, I would say. That very was... even. Very evenly matched. Oh, it was it was a literally a perfect matchmaking decision and a perfect way to like showcase both of them, putting them on the main card. I it was it worked out perfectly. Yeah, so like nothing on this card outside of maybe Chaos Williams uh, knockout. Do I think like I I can't see anything else really sticking out or like something that I will hold on to, uh, I guess long term, but. Still a good card. I'm not going to take anything away from it. I, I'm going to push you a little bit. I'll say 7 out of 10. Okay. But it was a good card. And uh, we'll start, I believe, with uh, Corey McKenna and Kay Hansen. Yep. Uh, we've just said evenly evenly matched. Very good fight. What were kind of your thoughts on this fight as a whole? Th- this was a perfect matchmaking decision here. Uh, these are the two youngest women in the entire UFC. And Corey McKenna is actually the youngest person on the entire roster. Um, So it was very fun, both 21 years old. Uh, The first round was very entertaining. The striking was very evenly matched. Both are great grapplers. Um, In the second round, there was more striking. It was very even again. Corey actually escaped out of a rear naked choke and then finished with over a minute and a half of ground control time. Uh, So that's what stole the round for her. So I had it one-to-one personally going into the third round. Uh, the great uh, third round, it was very good. Kay Hansen got a good takedown, had about two-plus minutes of control time. Then Corey McKenna reverses and finishes the fight on top the last 45 seconds to a minute um, and landed a lot of ground and pound, which I think is what uh, swayed the judges in my opinion. 
uh, even though Kay had more ground control time as a whole. It ended up being a 29-28 on all three scorecards, unanimous for Corey McKenna. Uh, this was a great fight for both of these ladies. They put on a show. Great way to open the main card. Uh, two very young up-and-comers that we can definitely see in the future make some splashes in this very deep women's strawweight division, especially now. I'd say it's the deepest it's probably ever been. Um, so I love this fight. Again, it was a perfect matchmaking choice, um, and they matched up so well. It was a great fight. Uh, it could have been my fight of the night outside of the main event, um, but the main event really delivered, I thought. So, uh, yeah, this was a great fight. I loved it. Um, for Kay Hansen, keep your head up. It was a very close fight. Could have argued that she won the fight. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been disappointed either way, whatever the outcome would have been. And then for Corey, I think, you know, again, 21 years old. This is kind of what we talked about uh, with the uh, Pico situation in Bellator. When you have prospects like this, Corey McKenna, by the way, off of Contender Series, you got to find the fine line and how you want to push them. So although Corey looked good and displayed a lot of skills, it was a very close fight. You could argue she lost. Um, so by no means is she ready to fight someone with a number next to her name just yet. I'd like to see her take on another up-and-coming prospect. You know, and maybe she gets one or two convincing wins and then can crack into the top 15. But regardless the way they're going right now and building this uh, persona here with both of these ladies... I think either way, whoever they fight next, they could easily be on a main card again, 100%. And I would be completely fine with it. I definitely agree with you there. I will say I had the fight for Kay Hansen. I'd scored it for, but not a robbery by any means. It was a very close fight. Um, I think we can, as we look back now, we can see that the judges on this night definitely didn't favor control time on the ground near as much as uh, what you were doing on the feet. Um, I think based on some of the scorecards we saw, that was pretty obvious that they, they did not take into account as much uh, the ground control. But uh, it was a very good fight, very evenly matched. Um, you like to see that when you have two very young up-and-comers like this. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, I definitely think that these two women, we're going to be hearing about them for a long time, I think. Um, they both showed a lot of talent here, showed a lot of very diverse skill set. I could even see either one of them or both of them making a jump up to women's flyweight. They both are pretty uh, pretty big for uh, strawweight. So I think I could definitely see them maybe making a jump up at some point. Considering that Flyweight for women is not as talent rich as uh, straw weight is. Then you're talking about maybe one or two wins away, and then you're cracking yeah. top 10, top 15. So definitely something for them to think about as they're still very young and on their come up right now. But I had a great time watching this fight. I think I agree with you about it may be being fight of the night outside of our main event. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely surprised me with how good it was, I will say. Now, our second fight, this was at catch weight, 195 pounds. That is cruiserweight, for those of you that maybe followed boxing. <laughs> Sean Strickland, who had just won two weeks ago, we completely missed that in our, in our preview. We did. So that's on us. 
but he went up against Brendan Allen, who Brendan Allen was scheduled to fight a week ago. His opponent gets COVID. Ian Heinish gets COVID the day of the event. So that fight gets scrapped. He's booked here. Sean Strickland TKOs Brendan Allen. About a minute and a half into the second round. Dom, what were kind of your overall thoughts of this fight? Uh, I was upset. Um, I really like Brendan Allen, and uh, I think it's awesome he did step up. And, you know, he was already low on weight. He figured I'm already in Vegas. You know, I'll take a fight. Screw it. And for Sean Strickland, shout out to that guy because that dude's a badass too. Um, but I was really pulling for Brendan here, and it sucked to see him go out this way, especially when he was paired with the number 15 last week and it fell, fell through. Uh, I don't think he'll be penalized too much for this. He put on a great fight. Uh, it was a really good fight. The first round was very strike heavy. Sean did win the round, in my opinion. Got the better of the strikes. Very crisp uh, boxing and striking. Very accurate by Sean Strickland. I was very impressed. Uh, round two, more of the same. Brendan comes out with a little more urgency. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him try and get the fight to the ground more. That's where I thought the issue, as I was watching the first round, I feel uh, that's where I was getting a little nervous. Like, if he keeps standing, he's getting punched. He's getting beat up here. Um, but he ultimately did not, and uh, got finished a minute and 32 seconds into round two. Uh, I think, regardless, the winner of this deserves ranking 100%, even though it wasn't at actual middleweight, but they're both natural middleweights. Um, they just made it a catchweight because it was on such short notice. So, uh, personally here... I think a great matchup uh, for either one of these guys that won, but obviously Sean is the winner here. I think a guy like Brad Tavares at number 13 is a great fight. Brad's not fought in almost a year. He last fought December 2nd of last year. He's 17-7. and Sean Strickland now is 22-3, and by the way. 9-3 and in the UFC. Like, this dude is legit. Uh, he had a long That's layoff. Yeah. He had a two-year layoff due to a motorcycle uh, crash and injuries that he sustained. Otherwise, this dude could be already a ranked fighter in this division for all we know. Um, so just because you've never heard of Sean Strickland, do not sleep on this gentleman. His boxing looked very good, and it, he, it did as well in the prelims two weeks ago. Um, and that was probably the reason it got overlooked, because he was on the prelims. Um, so it would just slip past us. But this guy is for real. Uh, I think a guy like Brad Tavares is a very fun fight. For Brendan Allen, keep your head up, man. You were coming into this on like a seven or eight fight win streak. Uh, a super great talent, a very good prospect, only 24 years old. Um, and you know, maybe he still could deserve a, a 14 or 15 ranked guy. Maybe he gets the Ian Heinish fight if he were to lose to Gastelum or something like that. But um, I think just the vibe I get from Brendan and taking a fight like this on short notice, he'll be ready to get back in there. I think he'll fight anyone. I don't think he cares if there's a ranking next to it. Uh, and I still think he's a win away from cracking rankings himself, especially off of a convincing win. So keep your head up if you're Brendan Allen. For Sean Strickland, man, you're for real. And uh, I'm glad he's just back and active because this is a talent that we've missed out on, essentially. I mean, look at this yeah. dude's record. You cannot sleep on it. And uh, he put the world on notice, I think, Saturday night. I agree. Uh, Strickland, you were right about how crisp his boxing and striking looked on Saturday. He looked really good. I definitely think I was counting him out a little bit. I don't think I did quite. I, didn't, I don't think I was a, knew quite enough about him as I should have. Because 
now that the fight has happened and now that I can see like, oh, wow, the two-year layoff, he's 9-3 in the UFC. Like, it's definitely, he's definitely a bigger, pro, like, he's a bigger prospect than I was giving him credit for in our breakdown. What I will say is that I think for Brendan Allen, this was a bit of a disappointing performance. Um, look, Brendan Allen's striking, offensively speaking, very clean, very good. He is a natural grappler, and you would like to see him grapple. But okay, he he wants to strike. He's got good enough striking. He was he he was landing some good shots. Mm-hmm. However, what was very telling for me was Brendan Allen's lack of defense. Yeah, was very telling. He was getting picked apart, and I think that's going to be kind of his where he's going to have to go work on here. Yeah. Um, not that I'm one to tell him what to work on. But if you are someone that wants to strike like that, even though you're a natural grappler, that's going to be his his thing that he's going to have to get better on is the defense. Um, he had basically none. He was essentially taking a shot to give a shot the whole time. Mm-hmm. And when you're going up against Sean Strickland, who was more powerful, who had better precision on his strikes, better timing, it was a recipe for disaster, and that's kind of what happened. However, his all like when he was striking, offensively speaking, for Brendan Allen, very clean, very good. He was very competitive. I would definitely say, like hindsight's twenty twenty, but the guy probably should have tried to grapple more. That's just the reality of the situation. But by no means do I think this loss is going to be like a death sentence for him. I think he's still right there. Um, it's tough to, you know, you had a fight like the week ago and then you get another one. You hadn't really prepared for a guy like Strickland. It's, it's tough. So he'll bounce back. I'm sure he'll probably be as you, as many fighters have been doing during this quarantine, he'll probably be in there a month or so, or month and a half, two months from now. And, um, put on maybe some sort of performance that's going to make us forget about this one. Mm -hmm. Now for our third fight at women's strawweight as well, along with the first one, we had Ashley Yoder getting a unanimous decision whenever Miranda Granger. Um, I'm just going to say this fight was a bit of a dud. However, I was surprised by how good I think Ashley Yoder looked. She kind of bullied Miranda Granger here. Mm -hmm. She kind of looked like a bully a little bit. And I thought Miranda was going to win this fight. Just she had the better record. She Sure, she had less experience in the UFC, but she just looked like the bigger fighter, like someone who had maybe more potential. But Yoder kind of shut that down immediately and right. just basically bullied her for three rounds. Yeah, um, there were a lot of like awkward grappling exchanges. Uh, at one point, they were both locked into each other's legs their heads and they were like laying on top of one another but both facing the ceiling it was just kind of a really awkward position one of those just how the hell did we get here moments <laughs> when you look at the picture um yeah i mean there's not a lot of takeaways here there's a lot of clinch work um a lot of ground control time if you're yoder round three was the most dominant round and the most convincing i scored round three at 10 8 actually for ashley yoder um yeah so you know 
it wasn't the best fight, but it was a late addition. It was originally a prelim fight. This card had a lot of hiccups the day of leading up. And uh, at the end of the day, we still got to see a good fight. Um, for Yoder here, she's only 8-6. and six. She's 33 years old. Um, she has talent. I don't know enough to make it like up into the top five or anything like that. However, I think a fight that makes sense for her right now, she, before... Saturday night had just lost the number 15 ranked uh, Livy, Liv, Livinha Souza. I definitely messed up her first name. Um, so I think a fight for her is actually number 14 ranked uh, Felice Herrig. Felice is on like a three-fight losing streak right now. Everybody loves Felice Herrig. Uh, what a great character she is and always super positive and uplifting. So I think a fight with Yoder and Herrig makes a lot of sense at both points in their careers. Yeah, you're not pushing Yoder too far up the rankings, but she's coming off a win, so why not give her someone that is in that 15 to 13 range? And I think matchup-wise, uh, Verna, ranked 13th, is just way too hard of a fight for Yoder, and I think she's actually scheduled with Mackenzie Dern. So Herrig is kind of sitting there without a fight. She last fought in, I think, September and lost via submission. Um, so I, I like this fight. I think that's what would make sense. Uh, or just someone else, I guess, right on the cusp of a ranking. Um, so, yeah, and same for Marina Granger, you know, maybe get a couple wins, and you could always make your way into the ranking. She's younger, uh, a little greener in terms of experience, like you mentioned. So uh, I think Miranda has the higher upside here and ceiling. However, uh, it just ha it, it all comes down to the matchmaking and what the UFC thinks should be next. But, yeah, not a lot of takeaways here, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, Miranda coming off back-to-back -back losses now. She's only one and two in the UFC. So, you know, she's got to be, be um, calculating the right fight for her next one in order to keep her standing within the company. Um, for Yoder, Yoder's been basically trading wins and losses for a while now. Um, as you mentioned, her record is eight and six. In the UFC, she's she's three and five. So uh, this was a big win for her. To before that, she was two and five. That's not a very good record in the UFC. Um, yeah, I think a fight against Felice Herrick could make sense. But when you have more wins or more losses than wins in the company, uh, I don't know. I'm not quite sold on giving her that opportunity but i understand that she did just fight the number 15 ranked uh straw weight so um, i think if you were to give her a fight in the top 15 it would be felice or nobody else mm -hmm. yeah and that's just because felice really probably shouldn't be in the top 15 at this point she's on a skid um, that's for sure yeah she's on a skid and really hasn't looked very good in the last couple fights i've seen her in um, but I do love Felice Herrick, and I, I think that kind of matchup would make sense. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Now, here's a fight where we can get some takeaways. Co-main event. Whew. This one came and went. You know, I kind of figured it was going to be this way, just on the opposite end. <laughs> yeah, so basically what we saw was uh, Chaos Williams. Created Chaos. <laughs> Yeah, he knocked out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan in 30 seconds. Literally a straight right hand. Um, Abdul had his had his hands up, 
to like block it, but it just snuck right in between his arms, and he was dead on impact. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Um, yeah, man, this is uh, this is crazy. Chaos Williams, this is his second fight in the UFC. He has now had a combined in his two fights less than one minute of octagon time. Did you hear me, Donovan? Yeah. Um, he has power in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> it took him more time to knock out Abdul than it did in his first fight. Yeah, he and knows. he knocked out Abdul in 30 seconds. <laughs> What was the first fight? 22? Is that what you said? 20, I think it was 27. Okay, yeah. Um, chaos for the title. <laughs> um, this dude is scary. Scary power. There's not much to take away here from the fight outside of... I wrote OMG and then literally didn't know what to do. I was left speechless, so I wrote scribbles. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Um, yeah. I knew this fight was going to be insane. I was texting my dad as this fight as the fight card is going on. And I said, buckle in for this co-main event. It's going to be insane. 30 seconds in, he texts me back and he says, I didn't even have time to buckle in. <laughs> I said, yeah, dude. Um, so this was an incredible performance here. Uh, Abdul, I feel bad for him because he didn't even really get to <laughs> showcase anything. Um, yeah. But for chaos, I just want to say he had some incredible quotes. Um, I don't want to mess these up though. So I'm going to actually look these up on Twitter really quick. Um, It was rather insane. Now, what I will say while you're looking that up, this is a tough loss for Al-Hassan. This is back-to-back losses for him coming off of that two-year layoff where he was in and out of court essentially for two years. Um, Nearly had his career and life taken away from him. Um, However, so you're kind of rooting for him. But on both these losses, he's missed the weight both times. Um, it's tough. He's in a tough spot here. And I don't really know where he goes from here. I didn't realize how old he was, mm-hmm. being 35. Yeah. Sure, he could, by all means, um, keep going. He, he doesn't look bad by any means for being 35. He doesn't look 35. But um, Chaos Williams, here's a matchup. Don't think he's ready for top 15, but give him uh, the other guy that beat Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Give him Munir Lazez. What do you think about that, Doc? You can see me, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can see you. Yeah. Uh Yeah. 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 The people people can't see this. I need you to articulate. (laughs) Please sign me up for that. Um, That's an incredible fight. It makes sense. They both beat Abdul. Munir Laziz, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, we are already talked about this gentleman. Incredible talent. Um, a lot of potential here. Very high ceiling for him. That's an incredible fight. Um, the quotes, by the way, from Chaos last night. So he had one quote. Uh, he said, it's not personal, just punishment. Um, I have chills going down my body. And then the other one, which um, this is, this is just... I'm just going to say it, actually. He said, people are going to sleep on me, and then the doctor is going to keep waking them up. Um, I would never want to step foot in the cage 
with a man that has said that quote. And by the name, by the way, his name is Chaos. Um, so I am a fan. Safe to say that. And uh, he has a very high ceiling. Very. I, I want to see him get battle tested, obviously. We've seen him for, what, 57 seconds combined in two fights? Yeah. Um, and I think Munir Laziz would definitely present a very tough challenge. That's that's a great fight, for sure. Great fight. Um, here's a funny thing about that second quote. So that quote's the one that I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, doctor's going to keep waking him up. I was like, oh, you mean it like that? I was like, damn. However, <laughs> Ariel Hawani tweeted about it today, and he was like, I forget what he said. You know, he's you know, he's doing what we did about the quote. He was just like, Wow, that's that is badass. Yes. And what's funny is when he tweeted that Jamal Hill, the light heavyweight, quoted it and said thanks, and then put a clip of him saying that exact same quote oh. after one of his fights. Really? <laughs> yeah, so uh maybe some potential beef there between <laughs> Jamal Hill and Chaos Williams. Right. But I was like, man, I was like, that quote's so good, though. It was like, uh, that very, yeah, Chaos Williams, Munir Lizez, give mm. it to me. Oh. Put that oh, into yeah. my banks. Oh, yeah, that's, you You could make that shit a fight night headliner for me. <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, I love that fight. I think Abdul uh, still has a high ceiling, um, but it sucks when you get knocked out that quickly. So hopefully he can get a bounce back win, a good matchup, and I'm sure the next fight he's in will be fireworks, regardless his of who problem, it is. His problem here, it looks like 170 is just not attainable for him anymore. Right. He is not. He has missed weight as both of his last two fights, which these have been his first two fights since September 2018. His last two being in 2020, so he hasn't been out of the octagon for a while. Due to a lot of stuff going on outside the octagon, he's going to have to make a jump up to middleweight, or he's going to have to get a nutritionist. Right, and he's not that tall of a fighter, yeah. so middleweight there, he's at a. He's five ten, yeah. so I still think he's. Uh, I don't think he's too short for middleweight. But he'd I be like a Kelvin Gastelum middleweight kind of deal. Yeah, it's just that's. And, uh, you know, would he move if he were to move up? Would his power translate? Would his chin be able? He's already he got knocked out in thirty seconds by Chaos Williams. Would he be able to withstand the power of some of those middleweights? You know, could he go up against someone like? I'm not even gonna say it. I was gonna say Paulo Costa, but like, come on now. <laughs> There's no reason to put my man in that fight. He ain't even top fifteen. No. No. I'm not trying to get anybody murdered here. Yeah. Just right. But you know, could he withstand the power? Yeah, I mean, you're looking you know, down the pipeline, though. I, I yeah. mean, I see where you're coming from. Um, I do like the guy, though. I like his story. I like that he's back. I just, I wish that he could make weight, <laughs> and then you know, obviously, wish he could have better performance than he did on Saturday. But um, I think he's going to need to move up. We'll see if that actually happens. Chaos, keep doing your thing, bro. Oh, you yeah. are <laughs> badass suit, by the way. Did you see a suit? No, I didn't. Yellow tie, and it was like blue pinstripes, like the suit well, itself. Ooh. 
Did you see that? Oh, it was on Twitter and Instagram. It was fire. I'll oh, send you like a picture was of it. Arriving. I think it was his post-fight and pre-fight, or one of the two. But uh, yeah, he he uh, not only can he put on a show in the octagon, but he looks good outside of the octagon. So I like this right. guy a lot. Yeah. So we'll move on to the main event here. And I'm just going to say this one was my fight of the night. Rafael Dos Anjos, Paul Felder. Uh, big props to Paul Felder, man. That guy came into fight week weighing about 180 pounds. First one on the scale at the weigh-in, making 155 pounds. Uh, that dude is all class. And he looked great in this fight. Yes, he did. Uh, I just making a note that yeah. his striking was the fastest that it ever looked. And I thought that he did look like he had an extra spring in his step. Yeah, I was going to point out the same exact thing. Bisbing um, broke it down perfectly for Felder. He looked good. Uh, whenever the fight was in the center of the octagon, he was getting the better of the exchanges. The problem is RDA's pressure and just pace uh, that he put on, especially for 25 minutes, is just unbearable. I don't care who you are. Um, but yeah, Felder, Felder, Felder looked good. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from him, especially on five days notice. He was at like 180 plus pounds coming into this week. So for him to even make the weight is a win in itself. Um, I think his stock only went up after this fight. I don't think it goes down by no means. He even said it himself, you know, outside of maybe losing a little bit in the rankings. Uh, I don't have anything to lose here. You're fighting a guy that was a former world champion, a guy that's been there and done that. Um, after this fight, RDA... Uh, is now tied for the fifth most wins in UFC history. On the other end, I thought this was an interesting stat. Um, for Paul Felder, he is now tied with the second most split decisions in UFC history. He has had six fights end via split decision, and he's two and four in those six fights. And that's just tough, you know, because essentially, for anyone who gets confused on the types of decisions there are, a split decision means that one judge at least had you winning the fight. Um, so that's a tough pill to swallow, especially you know when you've got four losses that were so close that a judge had you winning. So then it just I'd imagine as a fighter, it leaves it in your head like, what else could I have done to get one more judge? And that would just eat at me if I were a fighter, so I can't even imagine that. Um, but yeah, man, for Felder, his stock only went up. Obviously here for RDA... His stock went up uh, very high, in my opinion, because this is a guy that's, again, been there and done that. He can hop right in and fight any single one of these guys in the top five, in my opinion. Um, so the question is, and I'm going to pose this to you because this is what we do, for RDA, what do you think here, Noah, as a matchup for him? I'm very interested uh, to see what you're there's thinking. One, there's one that sticks out to me. What's that? Now, I know RDA called out Conor McGregor. Took me back to 2017. Yeah. Seemed like that was what everybody did. And I was like, you know, and Conor even kind of validated him doing that by being like, yeah, I'll take it. You know, he's like, Dustin first. He's like, but yeah, I'll for, take it. For those of you that don't know, real quick, just a quick pause. Uh, RDA and Conor were originally scheduled to fight back in, what was it? It was uh, 2016, right? UFC 196. Yeah, and uh, Connor was going up. It was his first fight after knocking out Jose Aldo for the featherweight title, moving up to lightweight to become the champ champ. RDA at the time was the lightweight champion. 
already had then had to pull out. Uh, did he break his foot or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that led to Connor fighting Diaz and all that fun stuff. RDA then loses his belt that same year to Eddie Alvarez, and then Connor inevitably goes up still to take the title and beats Eddie Alvarez instead. Um, so I'm not opposed to that fight down the line just because it's already. Yeah, but, uh, but at that time, it was a way bigger fight than what it would be now. Uh, and Connor um, is a not... way bigger name now than he was in 2016, as crazy as that is. Early 2016, that, that I should say. That is not the fight that I'm proposing here. Yeah, not at all. The, the matchup that sticks out to me is number six, Charles Oliveira. Okay. That's... That matchup, I think, is fireworks. Yeah. You, you have a guy like Gardier who will take you down, who will beat you up, on top position, Charles Oliveira has one of the most dangerous guards in all of MMA. That guy on his back is dangerous. He can submit you anywhere. And now he can knock you out standing too. Yep. It presents a very dangerous challenge for RDA, but it's a necessary hurdle he'll need to pass if he wants to become champion of this division again. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, for Paul Felder... My next matchup, I think, is perfect. What'd you say? My matchup that I had for Paul Felder and our who's next uh, last week, I think, is perfect. What did you say? Uh, Rage and Al, number nine, Al Iquina. I think those two would have a great fight. Uh, I think that's a a fight night headliner. Uh, I think they would put on a war for 25 minutes, stand up. Um, Because I think for Paul, it's kind of hard to justify him fighting Anybody ranked above him right now just because of this loss to RDA. However, if he were to come in and beat Al, then he's right back in, and he's still in that contender area. I mean, Paul is ranked seventh. Um, And then for RDA, well, I'm sorry, you were going to go on Paul. You do your Paul pick first, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, Basically, I think he can take RDA's spot here and uh, fight Islam Makachev. Yeah, that's a good fight. That's a good fight. Uh, Again, Islam is going to present a lot of the same challenges that RDA did for Paul, but Islam is not near as battle-tested as RDA is. So Paul Felder has a greater chance, in my opinion, to be able to effectively use his striking, to be able to stay, keep his back away from the cage, you know, stay in that middle of the octagon. I think that that would be a good test for Islam in that matchup, and I think that it's a big one. Yeah. So that's kind of where Paul Felder is at this point. You know, yeah. He kind of wants these bigger matchups. Um, sure, he still says he wants to go for the belt, but you have to earn your way back to fighting people in front of you. So mm-hmm. let yeah. him fight someone like Islam Makachev. If he beats him, then you're talking about him fighting Dan Hooker again or somebody like that. That's another matchup I wouldn't even mind seeing again. Yeah, I mean, that was I a know, split decision. So Yeah. I mean, I, I know Dan Hooker is probably looking ahead right now, but um, I could totally see him versus Felder, too, happening at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that leads me into my RDA fight. Um, first option for me, Dan Hooker, RDA. Uh, I think that's a very, very interesting matchup. Hooker presents a challenge for anyone in this division because of his long length his arms, his legs, his Muay Thai striking is second to none in this division. That's why his fight with Paul Felder was so incredible. 
Uh, but RDA, I'd imagine, would fight a similar fight to how he did with Paul Felder last night. Uh, but that's a tough challenge, a top-five guy. Uh, but if not Dan Hooker, then I think, like you said, number six, Charles Oliveira, two jiu-jitsu black belts, um, but both have skills on the feet. Who's going to get the advantages in the grappling? That could be such a technical masterpiece on the ground. Um, and it could even be a fight to where you have two incredible grapplers, but neither one of them want to grapple with one another, so they strike. You know, you never know what you can get with a matchup like that. So I think either of those two guys make the most sense for RDA. And uh, if you're RDA, if you would come in and beat either one of those two, you're then one fight away. I swear in this division, we said this again on Wednesday, in this division, if you have one convincing performance against any of these top five guys, your name can be thrown in a hat for a title fight. One convincing knockout, one convincing uh, submission, one convincing dominant decision, and you're right there. Uh, so this division is on fire right now. I love that RDA's back. He looked great. Phys uh, his physique looked incredible at 155. It's definitely his natural weight class. He's not going to be as outsized anymore. Even though at welterweight, he went 4-4 four and four and fought the top of the top in that division. RDA is just another guy that's just never going to fade, it seems like. He's always going to be a tough test for anyone he fights, no matter how old he gets. And uh, I think it's, it's exciting, man, having him back in this lightweight division because this division right now is un untouchable in any other organization. It's, it's yeah. the best mixed martial arts division there is in any organization right now. Yeah, I agree. And I'll even say I think this was RDA's best performance since he was the title holder. Yeah, he looked incredible. He did everything he had to do to win, but still made it to where you're, as a fan, we're watching and you're like, damn, this guy is legit. Yeah. Like for anyone who forgot who RDA is, he. I hope he reminded you Saturday night. Yeah, agreed. And with that, we shut the book. The book is closed on... Hashtag UFC Vegas 14. Uh, it was a great night of fights. We had much enjoyment. But we move on to the pay-per-view. Oh. This Friday, we are breaking down the main card plus one extra for UFC 255. Headline. By Davison Figueredo and Alex Perez for the men's flyweight belt. Co-main, Valentina Shevchenko, Jennifer Maya for the women's flyweight belt. It's flyweight title night. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go one gonna... step further, Noah. It's flyweight night. Damn right. But, because but the, headliner, yeah, yeah. the headliner of the prelims. Yeah, yeah. Tell them. Number one contender. Damn Brandon it. Marino versus Brandon Roy Val. It's Brandon versus Brandon. Brandon squared. I'm, uh, and they took him off the... Uh, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad because we're going to break it down anyway, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So we'll be breaking down six fights for you on Friday for UFC 255, and then that following Monday, we will also be recapping those fights from next Saturday. No special video this Wednesday. As you guys know, our new schedule to take take one week off in between. So this Wednesday, there will be no no special video, but uh, we'll be picking back up with another one the following week. So um, 
yeah, Dom, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Of course. I, I also, anyone who I know a lot of people love the Wednesday episodes. Uh, again, this is all for long-term stuff to create longevity for those. Uh, on these off weeks where we are alternating now, feel free to visit you know our library of episodes on any of our podcast uh, sites that we're on. Tune into some of our older ones if you uh, you know haven't heard them or maybe you just want to revisit them and see kind of how dumb we are and how far we've progressed already in a couple months. But uh, we love the Wednesday episodes and we just think this is the best move for us in the long term and we love bringing the, that content for you all. As for my social medias, Twitter, 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 and Instagram, uh, you can find me at Dcily14. For the podcast, you can find us at baj underscore mma podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you links to all the platforms that the podcast is on along with social media platforms as well. So the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the Anchor page, along with Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts is on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just gives you a way to provide us with some monetary support each month. All that money goes back into improving the podcast, whether it be the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So we appreciate any amount of support that you give us. But that's just another way for you to support us. But again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. But with that, we're out. And we're going to see y'all on Friday.